0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Hope for Today, where we study God's Word uh, to find hope for our lives. Our verse is Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Hello, April. How are you? Tired. <laughs>
1: cold.
0: Cold. It's been cold.
1: It's taken a nasty swing. It was warm. Yeah.
0: It was warm. All last week. And uh, and then it got into the negatives. It's been in the negatives all week.
1: Snowed Saturday night and all day Sunday.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> And has not warmed up since.
0: It is not. Not really. So. It is sunny today.
1: <laughs> but it's deceivingly.
0: Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of the wintertime sunny days where it's like, uh, it's even colder on the sunny days.
1: Because mm, you have hope when you go outside and you see the sun and then the wind hits you and you feel deceived. It's
0: deceiving at our house because when you walk out on the porch... It's like a little alcove where it's protected by the wind. Uh, so you think, oh, I can get away with wearing a lighter jacket. You and cannot. then you come out from the house and walk around the corner to go on a walk. And it's like <laughs> five to ten <laughs> degrees colder. Uh, and um, so yes. it's a bit deceiving.
1: So we're pouting. We're staying indoors until <laughs> until we get better weather. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, our podcast today is about depression. We're starting out with some depressing thoughts about the weather. That's right. Um, I want to start out with a scripture in Matthew eleven twenty 28. Uh, it is one that Christians are familiar with. It says, Jesus is saying in this verse, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we know that verse. It's it's uh, encouraging us, commanding us, calling us to come unto Christ and give us to give Him our burdens. But I had a thought as I as we were preparing for this podcast, is that oftentimes as a Christian, we are the ones that are faced with the ones who come to us. Mm-hmm with their burdens.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so we're going to talk a little bit of today about um, this can be self-care, things we can do for ourselves that can help us with thoughts of depression. But also, um, as we talked about in the last podcast, hope is a lifestyle. So these are lifestyle things for someone to incorporate. But also I think these are things that can equip us to help people in our life who maybe they're having a down day, maybe they're having a down time, maybe they really are truly struggling with deep depression
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, or a season in their life where they've had a lot of setbacks, a lot of struggles and challenges.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So I want to start out with two kind of spiritual things and then we'll get into a a list of practical things that we can do. Mm -hmm. So um, the first thing... For spiritual points to make in our own life and also something that God can give us the courage to say this to somebody or to ask this question.
1: So these are things from the book?
0: These are things from the book. This book is called Hope Always. It's written by Matthew Sleeth. He's a medical doctor and a Christian. These are things that he has.
1: So he said these are two major... Issues. Yes. That are going to make it very difficult to get out.
0: Of depression. Of depression. Right. Um,
1: so tell us about the first one.
0: The first one is. Um, service. Service to others. He says this. This is on page 134. Uh, Much modern psychotherapy focuses on our own happiness, needs, wants, and desires. But what if lasting joy is found not by seeking our own happiness, but that of others? Mm -hmm. The interest that people who are depressed have in others should be cultivated, encouraged, and applauded.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking of um, Ruth. Yeah. Because I've been doing a study on Ruth for the last couple weeks for our monthly ladies meeting at church. And Lord just kinda gave me this thought while I was studying about her that God's plan is bigger than our passions. Yeah. And I feel like that phrase and saying keeps going through my heart and mind as I study this, and you can just see like while she was dealing with grief. And I didn't really think about it in this way until you were, you're talking about it. I mean, she had plenty in her life to get her depressed. I mean, she was destitute, she was widowed, which meant a lot more back then mm-hmm. than it does now. But because she decided to focus on someone else, it, yeah. got, it not only got her through, but it healed her. It healed her family. It it reaped many blessings. On our life.
0: It says in Genesis that we're created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And theologians generally take that to be that God is a trinity. Mm -hmm. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that we are also made into three parts. parts, Body, soul, and spirit. Now some people would argue that. um, That there being three of us not three of us, but three parts to us, Mm. right? Some people just want to say there's a body and a a spirit and soul are the same thing. Mm. But it makes sense to me that there are three parts to us. So if we think about what Satan did when he tempted Eve, he really just wanted her to think about herself. He says, you can make yourself into God. and He's thinking, he's trying to promote us above God. He's trying to make us think solely about ourselves. But if we think about the biblical structure, mm-hmm. it is kind of a trinity,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not a holy trinity, but almost like a, like I think the truly fulfilled person is a picture of God where God is not just God, the father, the creator, God. is not just God, the son, Jesus. It's not just God, the Holy Spirit, but it's all three of them together that have this incredible relationship, uniquely independent, but uniquely dependent,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Three and one. And I think if that's not too crazy, like deep, but at the same time, I think that someone who's truly spiritually and mentally healthy, there's themself, there's God, and then there's others. You can see that trinity in a healthy life.
1: Well, it's so interesting because I've never thought about that, what you just said, that Satan wants us to solely focus on ourselves And it's just interesting because it it is exactly the line the world feeds. Yeah. Look out for number one. Like, how many phrases can you think of? Take care of yourself. Take
0: care of yourself. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Like,
1: how many of those sayings? And you can see in people who are new... To either Christianity, um, new to, like, actual relationship with Christ, not just, you know, being around the culture of Christians of some form. Um, They really struggle with switching that off.
2: Yeah.
1: But just to see that that is a ploy of Satan. Yeah. Like, to get you to focus on yourself is his goal, is to me... Very um, enlightening.
0: It's enlightening, yeah. And I like the way he says it, where he says uh, that we are to cultivate, encourage, and applaud both in ourselves, but also in others. When we begin to think outside of ourselves, we should applaud that. We should cultivate that.
1: Yeah, like thinking for yourself, just of yourself, is not something to be attained. Like that's something to be to avoid.
0: Right. And then the second thought that he says, this is on page 136, so it's just another page in the book. Um, He says, people in the most spiritually precarious place are those who have never apologized to God or others.
2: Hmm.
0: He says, they are also the most spiritually immature people. Shame and guilt don't magically go away without confession and amends the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. But he, he's basically talking about in this section that um, if we have hurt other people, uh, again, that is going back to the selfishness of we're only thinking about ourselves. And this can this can produce a lot of a lot of guilt and shame in our own life, even though we may not recognize it immediately as such. Right. Um, If we want to come to a place where we are spiritually healthy and mentally healthy, we need to examine the possibility. There may be people that we need to apologize to.
1: Well, I mean, you've been preaching on this for many weeks now, but it's like, you can't have a clear conscience if you haven't done those things. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to constantly struggle with guilt. You're going to constantly struggle with the situation itself. Yeah. And trying to figure out how to rectify that situation without actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that becomes a struggle.
0: From what I understand, there's a lot of techniques that really want to dig into the pain of the past and blame People in the past for current difficulties. (laughs) Or feelings. And there's a scriptural way of doing that. Like Mm -hmm. there's a there's a way of going into the past and and saying, okay, this happened, I felt this. Um let's take it realistically, let's not make it any bigger than it was. But the biblical instruction is to forgive those people Mm -hmm. because Christ has forgiven us. So I'm gonna forgive them, I'm gonna release them into God's justice system instead of me trying to retain that, but then also releasing others. But also I need to release myself in the sense of, I need to make sure that I try to make amends if I have hurt someone in the past.
1: Yeah. It's hard to explain. And we talked, you talked about this on Sunday when you were preaching that there's things that God tells us to do that. It doesn't logically make sense why that would have a psychological effect on us. Right. And it doesn't technically make sense that if I go and admit wrong to someone, that that would give me peace of mind, but it does. It does. And this may be a little off topic, but we were discussing um, previously this week, a different book that we've been working through called Spiritual Mismatch. Yeah. This book is about um, being married to an unbeliever. Yeah. And how how to live your life, but also how to hopefully win them to Christ. Yeah. And one of the sections was this, was apologize. Don't be don't be hypocritical. Yeah. Don't pretend that just because you're a Christian, you never have any faults and you never have to apologize for anything. And that kind of led to the conversation of sometimes as Christians, we can be guilty of thinking we only need to apologize to other Christians. Yeah. Well, if I hurt a lost person or I hurt, you know, someone that's not in God's family, then they don't really know any different. They're used to people treating them that way. I don't really have any obligation there. No. Which there's no biblical reason to feel that way. Yeah. I think there's just because you know there's no accountability there. Right. We can let ourselves off. Where in reality, it's a huge testimony. Right. To admit fault to an unbeliever. Yeah. And ask for forgiveness. Of
0: course. Uh, so to read a scripture that corresponds with what you're saying, Matthew 6, this is um, kind of the tagline to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it says in verse 14 and 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then he goes on later in the chapter uh, in the Matthew chapter number six and describes how um, if we don't forgive others, then God will not hear our prayers. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes as a Christian, you can think, well, I should have victory in my mental health in my battles for depression. Where's the victory? Where's the joy? Where's the peace? It's like we have to examine these two spiritual things. One, am I crafting my life so that everything is about me Mm -hmm. or am i allowing the lord to use me to serve other people okay and then two am i a forgiving person Mm -hmm. but am i also asking forgiveness when i have knowingly hurt somebody Mm -hmm. right which
1: is not easy it's not easy and i think the devil will do anything and our flesh will do anything to avoid it
0: satan will tell you pride is the path to feeling better yeah Right, uh, but God says humility is the path, yeah to feeling better,
1: and I think, just like any discipline, if you put it to the test, yeah, and you see the difference it makes, yeah. it becomes easier for that to become a part of your life
0: mm-hmm. yeah. just like a lifestyle of selfishness and blame um, leads it leads to a very lonely. Very, very lonely existence Yeah. because people who are going to be brave enough to be in your life are going to have to be, they're going to have to deal with that from you constantly.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to put up with their selfishness and their blame. No matter how much I help this person, all I get is blame.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right. And so, um, God didn't save us to live that way. That's, and again, the ultimate example of that is Christ. He came to serve and he came to forgive.
1: I think that, you know, something small that you that you can kind of realize when you're talking about depression and anxiety, it's like we can't always control. We're human. Yeah. We have feelings. We can't always control the feelings we have. But there's a lot to our life that we can control. Yeah. We can control, you know, our schedule. We can control what we do with those feelings. We can control what we do in them moments they come to us we can control whether we choose to apologize or choose to invest in someone beside ourselves. like there's so much and I feel like the devil wants to lock us in a box tell us you have bad feelings there's nothing you can do to overcome them yeah there's nothing you can do but take a pill to get victory sure and that's not true it's
0: not true it's not true you are
1: not powerless
0: you're not powerless yep But in order for these, they're not techniques, it's truth. Right. Right? And truth always works. Yeah. But it takes humility for you to simply take the truth of God's word and do it.
1: And they're true because God said it.
0: And they're true because God said it.
1: We're not just choosing our own truth.
0: Right. For sure. Uh, I want to read this verse based on uh, what you mentioned a moment ago about the conscience. Um... It's talking about, in Hebrews chapter 9, about the superiority of Christ over religion. And it says in verse number 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Mm. So the foundation of all of these things we're talking about is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us and he has paid the price to give us these truths so that they make us free. They purge our conscience. Our conscience is now, I mean, you think about, okay, a a purged conscience doesn't sound like a depressed conscience to me, Mm -hmm. right? It it sounds like a joyful, peaceful, Mm -hmm. and not that everything's perfect, right? Right. We But we we still have to use our faith. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So we don't just forgive someone once and we never use that ever again in our Christian life. And we (laughs) live in perpetual happiness.
1: Well, not only that, you don't usually just have to forgive someone once. Yeah. It's like, that's something that the Lord helped me with. Because sometimes you can think, well, I had a moment where I said I forgive them in my heart. Mm -hmm. I gave it to God. But I still struggle with my feelings towards them
2: yeah
1: and you can really struggle with thinking obviously I did something wrong obviously I haven't forgiven them where in reality forg- forgiveness is a walk of life
0: yeah it is
1: that you have to each time that struggle comes up choose to live in yeah which made me feel better because it's like I don't feel like a failure that I have to choose to do this over and over again but I mean knowing that really helped me.
0: Yeah. Hope is a lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And forgiveness is a part of that lifestyle and service to others is a part of that lifestyle. Yep. It's good. So if you've never if if someone listening to this has never trusted Christ as their savior, that is the beginning. That is the very foundation of the hope that is offered in the scriptures. If you've never personally trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to read the Bible and you're going to try to digest it intellectually. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But it's only digested spiritually.
1: And what do you mean when you say trust Christ as your Savior?
0: Trust Christ as your Savior means you have to realize, one, that you are in need. We are broken. We are broken because of our sin. We have a nature that naturally is gravitated towards the wrong. And we do that and we also enjoy doing it. We enjoy doing the wrong thing. We enjoy, I was reading a story recently of a man who was working in a bank and he was a believer and he said right up front, he wasn't perfect, but he said he would have people come to him and ask him about his faith in order to mock him. Mm. And in order for them to have like this office joke amongst everybody else, and he would be the butt of the joke, and yet they would go up to him individually and kind of pretend to be sincere in their inquiry Mm. about Christianity.
2: Yikes.
0: And this went on for a little while. And then finally, one man who was kind of the ringleader came up to him very, very sheepishly and said, Hey, I'm a bit behind on my bills. Can I borrow some money from you? I'll pay you back as soon as I get paid, which was just a couple of days. Mm. And the Christian in that moment said, he saw that as an opportunity to show God's love. And he said, yes, I will. And he gave him the money Mm. and this man began to walk away and then turned around and came back. And again, very sheepishly said, I'm sorry for making fun of you. Mm. And I know in the office, we make fun of you for being a Christian, but you need to know that everybody really respects you for standing up for what you believe mm. and we know that you're one of the few trustworthy people in this office.
2: Mm.
0: And so the point I'm trying to make is that the power of this guy forgiving him but also the fact that there is a part of every one of us that takes pleasure in doing the wrong thing.
2: Mm.
0: And that has that has implications from things that are very very private just in our heart or in our mind to things that are very open and very observable
1: for all have sinned. and
0: documented for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god we have to recognize
1: that and that is the struggle is you know i have come short yeah i am not equal to god i need him
0: right And then so first, you have to admit that's you, that you're a sinner, you're broken, you're in need, you've done wrong. You stand before God guilty. What does God do with this guilty sinner, all of these guilty sinners in the world? He responds in love. He could have responded in just pure justice, Mm -hmm. but he didn't. He responded in love. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Of course, we're about to celebrate Easter here in just a few weeks. Christ died on the cross for our sin. He took our place. Mm -hmm. He took our punishment. And he rose from the dead so that he can give us that free gift himself. And we come to him by simple faith. It's not through baptism or church membership. We have to come to him in, in belief. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you took my place. And right now, best I know how, I'm giving you my heart. I'm trusting you completely to make me whole, to give me forgiveness. And when a person does that, right then and there, that's what the verse means when it says that our conscience will be purged from dead works. People will do all kinds of things in order to purge their conscience. They'll donate money. They will do community service. They'll become very, very religious in their own religion, work very, very hard at their own religion. They will, whatever you consider to be in your your mind, the ideal good person. Some people even try to wake up early and work out in the morning and, uh, you know, eat a salad instead of a hamburger. I mean, just it's funny how we do this as human beings. We'll try to do anything and try to become this ideal person. Mm -hmm. And we just need to stop and just say exactly what scripture says. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's what it means to be saved.
1: So we need that to begin our journey of hope.
0: We need that to begin our journey of hope. I mean, the Bible says Christ is our hope, you know. Um, it calls, the resurrection of Christ is called a lively hope, meaning it's not just a, a hope that we kind of drum up ourselves. We inflate, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I've, my, my previous car had this leaky tire, you know, it's like every time I got in, I had to run to the gas station, (laughs) run to the gas station, tap my card and put in another $2 worth of air so that I could, and it's like, that's, it's not a hope we have to inflate ourselves. It's a Mm. hope that is alive. It's been given to us because of Jesus's resurrection from the dead.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, it's a well of hope that lives inside of us. And
1: So if you've done that, yep. you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you've followed these scriptural principles about mm-hmm. forgiveness, about uh, Service. serving others, then what?
0: Then what? Okay, so um, we're going to save the list for next time.
1: Okay. <laughs> we have a
0: list of 12 things. That we can do uh, 12 practical ways to help save a life or to save even... These are obviously things you can incorporate into your life. Um, and these
1: are very simple things. Very
0: simple things. Encouragement um, encouragement to help one another. And we will jump into those next week. So be looking for that podcast. But as far as a practical thing, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, practical things to live the life of hope. Hope is a lifestyle. How do you... How do you have access to that well of hope inside of you? First of all, you have to read your Bible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You have to connect with God through Scripture. You cannot live a life of hope and live this life of victory by yourself. It was not designed that way.
1: Well, the, I mean, everything else around us in the world is contradicting yeah. Scripture. Yeah, and so there's no way to counterbalance that without it.
0: Yes. So start reading. If you're a new Christian, I would suggest start reading in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Proverbs. Proverbs is fantastic. Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. It is also fantastic. Um, start reading the stories of the Bible. And notice how God responds to people who believe. Okay, so number one.
1: This is not the list for next week. <laughs> this is
0: not the list for next week. There's just three things I'm going to mention for today. One, read your Bible. Two, pray.
1: Mm.
0: Now, we all talk about prayer, but you actually have to pray. And it's just talking to God. Like that verse we mentioned in the very beginning in Matthew 11, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. It, it, you're, you're weighed down, you have these incredible burdens. We need to take the time to come to the Lord. We take the time to worry about it, yeah. and worrying is just—it's just dealing with it yourself. And and all, I mean, you're just one step shy. You just need to vocalize that worry to God
1: yeah, and like,
0: ask that, Him to help.
1: So many times we think, okay, well, I've thought about it. I've talked to myself about it. I've worried about it. Mm. I've posted about it. Yeah. But we do all those things, and we still haven't actually. Talk to God about it.
0: Yeah. So prayer is telling, but it's also asking. Mm-hmm. So read your Bible. Okay. Pray means to tell him, but also to ask him. Ask him for something. Mm-hmm. God, will you give me peace? Will you give me wisdom? Will you give me guidance?
1: Mm-hmm. And, okay? he will. and
0: he will. And especially if you're reading your Bible, expect him to speak to you through his word.
1: But I mean, also realizing that going to him in prayer is not, it's not a mantra. No. It's not something if I say these words, I'm going to, something's going to change. It's usually, sometimes it's he gives you comfort immediately, but a lot of times it's, okay, we'll do this. And if all we're looking for in prayer is for me to say something and it to be done, it's not what's going to happen.
0: You know, I, I just had this flash into my mind and you know, I am not a big video game person, like I think maybe you've seen me play a video game like twice in my whole life. We're
1: talking like Mario from the 1700s, right? <laughs> and yeah. he's he's not good. No, and I'm terrible.
0: <laughs> but one of the things that I do know from video games is that as you go through the different levels, mm-hmm. you will run into tools yeah. that you need yeah. in order to conquer that level.
1: Yeah, that is what speaking the language. Speaking
0: the language. Being relevant here, right? That is the way we need to think about prayer and the word of God. It, prayer is not this magical incantation over your life, spoofful dust and now everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay? I turn into the Cinderella dress and my car is no longer, you know, uh the pumpkin is now a carriage and and no no, it's God gives you he he prayer gives us the the spiritual wisdom, it opens our eyes to the to the tools that God is showing us in that moment to make Jesus. it through what we're going through in that moment.
1: That you have at your disposal. Right. He's not looking to carry you. No. Like, you don't do anything. I'll right. just transport you. Yep. Everywhere you need to go for peace. <laughs>
0: if you're not willing to accept that, mm-hmm. you're trying to force Christianity into doing something it just was not designed to do. You say, well, pastor, where's the verse for that one? If we go back to our verse in Matthew 11, verse 28, come unto me, okay? All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, okay? But it doesn't stop there. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The yoke is an instrument of work, Right. Come serve with me. Come serve others. Come serve me. Come learn with me.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. All right. So um, and he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Either he means that or he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Either he is just speaking in hyperbole and just being exaggerative or he means that. Either he means it or he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I can find rest in my soul if I'm willing to do it his way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So well, if
1: you, if you never have to do anything, there really is no submission there. No, there really is no huh. You're not doing, you're not honoring him in any way. Right. There's no sacrifice there.
0: Right. Like for example, maybe the Lord spoke to you as you're listening to this about the forgiveness thing. That's a tool for where you are right now in your life. And there's a person that's coming into your mind and you think, I don't want to do this, but I need to call them up. I need to connect with them and say, hey, you remember that time? I'm really sorry. I'm making making amends. People understand that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: People understand that. And they may say, oh, are you struggling with alcohol? Because that's a an alcohol anonymous. Mm-hmm. By the way. Every one of the 12 steps for Alcohol Anonymous comes from the Bible. That's where they originally got it from. Mm -hmm. They just kind of made it a bit more secular. Mm -hmm. Um, And so making amends, people understand that. Uh, So, okay, so read your Bible, pray. And the last one is you have to go to church. Mm -hmm. You have to connect with the community of God's people. Mm -hmm. Jesus promised us where two or three are gathered together, in my name, there am I in the midst. Mm
2: -hmm. It's
0: like, oh, we have three people in our family. So we're going to gather together. That's not the context of the verse. The context of the verse is talking about church. Mm -hmm. So if I will read my Bible and pray and go to church, those are the basic core habits of someone who is living a lifestyle of hope. And you'd think that's too easy. But Honestly, aren't you thankful that it's easy?
1: Wait, it's too easy, but do we still struggle with it?
0: Yes. It's too easy. The problem is we want to think, well, I've grown past that. I'm too intelligent for those basic practices. And it's like, no. As, as fancy as people want to get with health and, uh, you know, health and nutrition. And, and it's like, you've got to exercise. You've got to eat right. I mean, it comes down to the basics in everything in life. Mm -hmm. And so the basic core habits of a Christian who's living the lifestyle of hope, reading your Bible, praying, and going to church. Any other comments? No. All right. Well, guys, if you have any questions um, or any comments, please send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And we will see you next week with 12 Ways to Save a Life to encourage one another. We will talk to you next time.